Benvenidos and welcome to the Platform Latino podcast where we profile, highlight, and bring to the airwaves the successes of our community and those helping us to get us there. I'm your host, Osvaldo Valdez, and I'd like to thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Today we have an accomplished, brave writer, poet, spoken word artist who, through failure and perseverance, published his first book that comes out on October 1st called Venus Gospels. I'd like to welcome to the Platform Latino podcast, uh, Emmanuel Manny Menaya. Welcome, Manny. What's up? What's up? What to do? <laughs> what's up, guys? So, like, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to Manny and just hear his journey and, um, and just kind of hear his story. I didn't mention that that he he is um, hearing hearing impaired, hearing disability. He has a hearing disability, so we're gonna hear how he's done all this stuff, accomplished all this stuff through having that. I wouldn't call it a setback, but an obstacle that he would have to you know overcome that not everybody has to overcome. But Manny, I like to start the podcast with just hearing a little bit of your background story and um, like how you where, where you've gone from where you're born, your background, and then you know coming to to today. Yeah, sure, definitely. So, like you said, my name is Manny Minaya, and I was born and raised in Washington Heights, Manhattan, uptown Manhattan. Um, I'm a first-generation Dominican and Puerto Rican, I want to say. The reason I say that is because I like, I like telling this story. My mom is from Rio Piedra, which is like a small town right out of San Juan. Uh, but her entire family is from La Alta Gracia, Higüey, in the yard. And then in the 70s, a bunch of women from my family, like they moved to Puerto Rico because there was a lot of crime, a lot of drugs, like a lot of political corruption in DR. So they they were like, you know, let's just move to Puerto Rico and just live a life there. So, you know, I'm Puerto Rican from my mom's side because she was born there and because my grandfather is also Puerto Rican. But I grew up in Washington Heights. You know, I, I was born and raised in New York City. And I take pride in the fact that I'm from this city and that there's like it bred me and it's like, it, it's really much a part of my identity. Um, but you know, English is my first language. Spanish is my second. I still struggle with speaking Spanish sometimes. I understand it. I read it and write it way better than I can speak it. Um, and a large part of that is because of my, like you mentioned, I have a hearing disability. So just to touch on that a little bit, I was diagnosed with a sensory renewal hearing loss when I was 10. Um, and the doctors figured, you know, through a lot of <laughs> tests, a lot of meticulous testing um, that I was born with it. Um, and then in hindsight, when I was 10 years old, in hindsight, I started to think, well, maybe that's why I can't speak as well as other people could. Because even though like right now I'm speaking and it sounds coherent and whatever, when I was younger, I struggled a lot with like, like stumbling over my words. Like I couldn't quite make out certain sounds properly. So when I spoke, like I stuttered a lot, not a lot, but I stuttered, I stumbled, like I mumbled. Um, and being hearing disabled really affects, even though it's like, it's hearing, it's auditory, it's oratory. Like it links your ear and your mouth are all directly connected. Um, so growing up, you know, there was definitely a lot of resentment, not at the world, but at myself at like, something beyond me like god let's say and there was a lot of wondering and questioning about you know why did he give me this disability it makes no sense it's like why does he give people certain obstacles why 
are some people born rich and the other people are born dirt poor? It was like kind of that line of questioning. So I carried that a lot with me growing up. And then it's, it was not until very recently that I came to an understanding where I found peace with the fact that, yo, like this is my disability, but it doesn't deter me from doing the stuff that everybody else can do. Because if I put my hearing aids on, I can hear just as well as everybody else. Like I shouldn't allow that to send me back. Um, and like, like you mentioned, you know, I, I am releasing a book in, on October 1st. And it's interesting that it comes out on the first day of like Deaf Awareness Month, but it's definitely not a book centered around my disability. It's more about how one can choose to forgive their past, forgive where they came from, forgive their environment in order to push forward and to go outside. Like there's a lot of, like in my book, I talk a lot about going outside and this idea of like leaving, like you, you're from South Florida, for example, and you move like outside of 10 miles from where you were born. Yeah, I hate that there's people out there, like literally they grow up and they die within 10 miles from where they were born. And this book, when I was writing it, I wanted to play with that idea. Like, what does it mean to go outside and play with the neighborhood kids? And then on the next level, what does it mean to go outside and like live in another state or like explore another country? You know what I mean? Um, but definitely, it's definitely a book. Like my writing is really centered around my experiences as a New Yorker growing up as a first generation Dominican um, and how the urban culture, like hip hop, like the slang, the language really affected my personality, who I am. Um, and one thing as a writer that I, my goal is to put like the New York linguistic, like on the map. Okay. Cause like when you look at the dictionary, right? The dictionary is not prescriptive, it's, it's descriptive. Meaning that when you look at the dictionary from like 1890, it's gonna show you the words as they were used within that zegis, within that time. But when you look at the dictionary in 2020, some of those same words have different meanings now. Like you read Ernest, Ernest Hemingway and he uses the word tight, T-I-G-H-T. It means to say like, I'm a little uptight, right? Whereas if you use the word tight in 2020, it could mean, yo, that's cool, that's tight. Or it can mean like, you know, New York, where like, yo, I'm tight, I'm upset. Um, so like just the way languages change is really interesting. And for New York slang, it's like, I want to be able to use my language inside of my writing. And hopefully at some point when you look at the dictionary, you'll be like, oh, I read that in my man, mm -hmm. so that's a word now, like that's there. Like it's a slang that we've used for years. Like the word dead ass, we've been using the word dead ass for like over 20 years, but you don't find it in the dictionary. Why? Yeah. But you find the word ass in the dictionary, I'm pretty sure, but why not dead ass? Why not try to put that on the Yeah, map? and I, I know Webster every year, they, they publish like the new words added, like when Bling Bling came out, you know, they, like after a while, years and yeah. years of use and publicity, it came out. But yeah, that is it. Like New York probably yeah. lingo could form its own dictionary with all the, the it does. And 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 it really inspires me, you know, like uh you asked about my background. It's like I didn't get into I wrote my first poem like I was seven, second grade, and it was like an assignment. And I was like, whatever, like I don't like poetry, what is that? Um and then when I was 14, I started playing around with it a little bit more and then I got into theater. So I used to do like off-Broadway shows and stuff like that. And that's when I started developing like my appreciation for performance mm -hmm. and for spoken word. And I'm like, let me just do this and see where it goes. Let me do this for real. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just a little bit 
of my background is what I who I am, where I come from, um, what interests me. Uh, no, no, I, lo- I like I love that that story, and I love that you mentioned how you 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 know this book is not uh, a man with a her- hearing disability or whatever. It's it's a person that pushed through whatever he was going through his his just upbringings, things he didn't have to control. And that, that, you know, that's trans, transcendent yeah. to like everybody, you know, you, you don't pick your parents, you don't pick where you're born, your upbringing, your economic status. But luckily we have what's in us to, to actually persevere and move past that. And I, like you said, push forward, going outside and, you know, you don't let that hold you back. You know, not, not everybody can say, you know, they, you know, I, I was just listening to, I don't know if you saw, heard that new um, song by Pharrell and, and um, Jay-Z is called, I think, Black Entrepreneur. But he was saying, like, don't wait for yeah. a handout. Just get it yourself, you know, support the communities where your own people, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't always wait for a handout. It's not going to, you know, it may never come. It may come, but there's a small percentage. You got to do what you got to do to to get by and, and grow. And I, and I think that you, you've accomplished that, you know, through through your, your struggles and, and I'm sure failures that that you know going outside pushing past you know just your boundaries and not letting your your past hold you back which i think a lot of people get caught up in and, and you know we're all guilty of it i'm sure i have you know but you know it, it's 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 it brings me comfort it kind of gave me chills to hear that because it, it's so true you know and you know some people have more holdbacks or however you want to call it difficulties obstacles than others, but you know they are able to to persevere. I, I have to ask, like I, we talked about it a little bit before, what's the PC term, or what do you prefer? Is it hearing impairment, hearing disability? For me personally, I don't really mind either one. I just say hearing disabled. Like I have a hearing disability. I'm hearing impaired. Like I just use them interchangeably. If there is a politically correct term, I wouldn't know it. Um, but I guess that's something to look into. I mean, because you know, you have like Latinos, not Latinx, you know, like you use they, like you respect somebody's pronouns and stuff like that. But for me, I don't, I don't really consider it to be disabled. I never refer to myself as like, I have a hearing disability. I say, this is just something that I have. It's like, just like the same way that I am tan colored or light skin, whatever. And I have curly hair. I have short hair now, but when it goes out, I'm thinning out, but when it goes out, it's curly, I, I promise. But, um. I don't consider it, me personally, I don't consider it a disability only because mm-hmm. I want to find the right way to say this. Like, for your listeners, I want to encourage you guys to read um, Dr. Oliver Sacks. He has a book called An Anthropologist on Mars. And in that, he was a doctor, but he in the book, he ha- he writes about seven different people with seven different quote-unquote disabilities. And the purpose of these reports is not to highlight their disability, it's to highlight how they compensated in spite of those disabilities. For example, there was one guy who lost color, like he cannot see color. The kick is he's a painter, he's an artist. He's he's still alive to this day, but he's an artist and he's painted his whole life. And one day he got into a car accident and boom, he lost all color. He can only see in black and white and like gray tone. this artist, like at first he was depressed. He was like, yo, what am I going to do if I can't paint? I need color. I'm a painter. That makes no sense. And then he created this whole series of just black and white paintings, like just black and white images. And it's like, 
when you put somebody in a position, I want to say this very right. I want to say this right. If you put someone in a position to fail, if you take something away from somebody and you deter them in some way, they're going to find a way around. Like humans, like people are so ingenious in the way that they invent different way of doing stuff. Like growing up, like in a Latino household, it's like mommy said, go do the dishes. And I'm like, yo, I don't want to do the dishes. Like, what's the quickest way that I'm going to do these dishes? And you find some half-assed quick way to do it. And your mom's going to be like, yo, no le hiciste bien. Like, you didn't wash it right. But at the at the same time, you're like, but I did something creative and invented to wash these dishes and the deed is done. Like, what do you want? Um, in that sense, going back to my point, like, I don't say I have a hearing disability. I just, because like my hearing disability has enabled me to do so much more. It's like, mm-hmm. I imagine if I wasn't hearing disabled, maybe I wouldn't be, like, I'm an introvert. Like, I'm very to myself. Like, I stay quiet a lot. I'm very quiet. Like, people who know me, like, know me as very quiet, very, like, pensive, very chill. And I think maybe if I wasn't hearing disabled or if I had this disability, maybe I'd be more, out, like, outgoing. Maybe I'll talk more. Maybe I'll be more willing to have those conversations with people. But on the flip side, just like you can say, maybe if I was six foot five, I'll be a basketball player. What if I was not hearing disabled and I didn't become a writer? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like because of my hearing disabilities, it led to me not wanting to communicate verbally with people. And instead, I communicate with people through language, through writing. And that's led me on this path where I'm on now. Maybe I wouldn't be a dope writer or a dope poet if I wasn't hearing disabled. So in, in that sense, I see it as like an enabler. It's like a blind person is going to find a way to get to the train station from their house if they really wanted to. Just as a deaf person is going to find a way to communicate with you if they really wanted to. When people really want to do something, they compensate and they find a way to push through. But to answer your question, I think it depends on the person. Like if you want to use hearing impaired, you can use that. If you want to use hearing disabled, um, go ahead and do so. But I think it's really dependent on the person because there's so many types of disabilities out there. Definitely. And, and, you know, the way I, I hear you, like, and correct me if I'm understanding it differently is um like, basically we're all born with a toolbox of our, our traits our strengths and weaknesses. You know, some have a screwdriver, some have a wrench, but you know, you, you make do with what you do. And, and they say a lot of people with, hearing or sight or you know they they have some some sort of disability that um others are enhanced and i i remember one time my cousin is deaf and he was dating a girl who was also deaf and they had hearing aids so they can hear with the hearing aids but we went to they were like you want to go to a club and i'm like okay like i don't know but they took it out because it would have been been too loud at the club but they had more rhythm than i did and i (laughs) (laughs) and i asked them like how do you if you can't hear the the song like how do you and they're like we feel the vibrations you know and it's so Mm -hmm. much more enhanced that there they had a better step than me i'm I'm like shit i was hating a little bit but (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's so cool dope yeah but it it was really cool and it really opened my mind to you know it, it is like you're saying it's not a disability it's just that they don't have that tool that i have and i don't have tools that you guys or like anybody else has so we have different toolboxes, but like one thing I'm interested, like, so people, you know, that, that may not have the tool or the strength or the, you know, the, the opportunity that others may have, how, how did you realize, okay, these are the tools I have, like, let me figure out the best way to use them. Like, what would you recommend 
to the listeners out there and say, okay, assess what you, what tools they have, what strengths they have, and how can I use it to to get better? A, you know, wow, that's a dope question actually. And it's interesting that you say toolbox because I do have a poem in my book where I talk about how we're born with these treasure chests. That was Alexa going off, and so I don't know if you heard that. But everyone's everyone's born with um like a treasure box, right? And inside this treasure box, like we have all these emotions. Like we're we have the capacity to feel sadness, to feel happiness and anger and all that stuff. The thing is, like which one of those emotions, like which one of those tools are you gonna reach for the most? You know what I'm saying? It's like I if we me and you can have a hammer, a saw, a nail, whatever, but it's like maybe I'll use a hammer more to fix my problems than you'll use a saw. Right. And one of the key things go back to your question it's like you have to take a moment to identify which tool works for which situation because i can't use my hammer to fix all your problems just as you can use your saw to handle all of your problems right um and i think the the key thing is to take a step back and i feel like in this world we live in where we have cell phones we have our iphones we have instagram we have twitter all this stuff where information moves rapidly like there's a high rate of information that comes at us from all sides constantly. And one of the, um, I don't know, I forgot the guy's name, but you know what infinite scrolling is, right? When you're on Instagram, you know how, did you download Instagram when it first came out? Yeah. Did you remember that when you scrolled all the way down, there used to be a button that says load 20 more posts? Yeah, I remember that was the button. Yeah, and you have to, you, that was so important because it gave you literally one or two seconds to decide for yourself. Maybe I do want to load some more posts. Maybe I do want to see more. Or maybe that's enough. Maybe I can just close the app and go do something else, right? And then the infinite scroll came out, and then it gave you the ability to just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And my point is, we've been conditioned to always move fast to keep it pushing mm -hmm. and we stop giving ourselves that one or two seconds to say maybe i don't want to load more posts maybe and let me just like think about this issue that i'm having take a step back take like two or three seconds and decide what i'm supposed to be doing um because you're right like some people have the same tools some people don't but regardless of the tools that you have you have to be able to train yourself to say hold on let me take a second. Maybe I should use the saw and not use the hammer. Maybe this will make more sense. Um, and going back to my treasure chest analogy, um, there's just like, I encourage your listeners to also like try to read more into different theologies and religions. For example, like I've read a couple Buddhist books and in them, there's this idea that each person has these different seeds inside them. And it's, it's going back to what I said, it's about which seed you choose to nurture. It's like, if you are in positions that constantly make you angry, then that one seed of anger is gonna constantly grow. And so, the, and so you have a big tree of anger and you don't know how to handle that. And next thing you know, your happiness seed is like still very small and you don't know how to handle happiness. Like there are people that walk around, they don't know how to smile. Why is that? Ask yourself that, you know, like when you meet someone who's always angry, instead of being like, yo, Fulano is always angry, bro. Like, I don't like working with that person. Like, they're a bad vibe. It's like, try to encourage yourself to like, see why is Fulano angry? Like, why is this person always angry? Maybe they didn't have that opportunity to like, grow their happiness. Um, but yeah, 
and and the the short form of saying it is like just when you're in these positions, just take a moment, like take a breath, take like five seconds, and try to see for yourself like which one of my strength, which one of my tools is gonna work best for this situation. And if you feel like you're weak in something, if there's like an like we all have strength and weaknesses, right? Like my left leg can't push, can't bench as much as my right. So I gotta train my left leg. If that's my weak side, then train it. My bicep, I can't hold, I can't like, this one is wobbly when I try to like hold a, a weight and I'm trying to do lunges and stuff. Then train your left shoulder, keep pushing it. Keep like identifying these weak spots and just be like, all right, cool. I gotta spend maybe an hour reading a self-help book and maybe it'll help me be more happy. Make It'll help me bring, it'll help bring me peace. But you gotta want it. You gotta like take those five seconds. You gotta identify what you need, what you're weak at, what you're strong at. And then you gotta, and once you recognize that, the next step is to do something about it. Take a plan of action and work towards rectifying that. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I think, I think not enough people, they, they don't take the time to really know themselves and like really sit there, meditate, take time away from technology, their phones, talking to people. You know, there's, you, you, we've all met those people that they always have to be around somebody or they, they move from a significant other to the next, you know, they, cause they can never be alone with themselves or if it's too quiet, they just feel uncomfortable. But, but once you kind of really, and I'm sure you, I feel, I have the, the feeling that you, you've kind of conquered this and like yourself, you know, yourself, you know, how you you beat the beat of your drum and you know what, like, like you're saying, some people don't even know the tools or the treasure chest that they have and what to work with. But that, you know, that, I think that's one thing that people need to focus on just, go for a walk and just think in your head, you know, don't, don't bring any distractions. Don't, don't invite people. Just, you, you got to be with yourself and, and really figure out, okay, like this. And then, you know, like you were saying, like, why is this guy always angry? Why am I not angry at the same things that gets him angry? And, you know, just, you don't have to go like into like a rabbit hole of thought and like drive yourself crazy, but you know, okay, well this ticks him off. So like, and it doesn't tick me off, but like that, what one thing he does ticks me off, but doesn't tick him off, you know, and you, you, you get to know, and you know, I, I, I go to therapy and stuff and just, he tells me, you know, once you know more about yourself, you, you, you live a better, happier life because you know what triggers and un- untriggers and disarms and arms you. And also just like, you, you just understand how to function and react in, in yeah. certain situations. And and, yeah. you know, many people don't have that right now. And I think, yeah. you know, they're always pointing the finger or they're always like blaming somebody else or saying what they don't have, but are they using what they do have? Exactly. And that, that's, that's, that's very yeah. important. And, you know, and I, and I like that you're saying like other philosophies, because I know a lot, a lot of Latinos, you know, we're, we're Christian or Catholic like I am. And, you know, you don't think outside the box and you don't hear other points of view. And, you know, exactly. it all there, there's, you don't, we're not telling you to, change faiths but learn no, something else because exactly. there's always going to be tidbits yeah if you don't know yourself then it's going to be really easy to get lost and one thing like to be transparent it's like growing up <clears throat> to give you more about my background it's like my mom had me when she was 16 and i was her only child for the first 10 years of my life so it's funny like at 10 years old it's like multiple things started happening to me it's damn fly multiple things started happening to me one like i was diagnosed with my hearing disability and then two my little brother was born so when you're an only child for so long and like you're used to being by yourself like tranquilo, like having all your toys my mom spoiled the hell out of me so to learn of these two different things like 
oh, I'm pregnant with your brother. And then, oh, you also have a hearing disability. It's like, it does something to like a child's psyche. So growing up, I'm not, I'm not trying to blame my brother for anything, but what I'm saying is like, there was a certain flashpoint in my life where I stopped being so happy and I started like being so bitter and that built and that grew and I nurtured it. And I just got lost in this whirlwind of emotions to the point where like my friends in high school used to be like, yo, you need to take anger management classes. Cause I was so quick to anger. Like I had a lot of patience, but it was really easy to irritate me. Like if something didn't go my way, I used to like lash out. I would like, like shut down, I would be petty. And it wasn't until my mid twenties, like five years ago, where I was like, yo, like I gotta make a change. And it's like something like, La gente no se cambia. People don't change unless they want to change or something traumatic happens to them that makes them want to change. Where there's like a, a, a mirror that gets put in front of them where they see their action and they're like, oh, no, that's not good. I can't do that. <laughs> like, I can't be punching walls. I can't be screaming at people. So there's just a point in your life where you have to start getting to know yourself. Um, and one thing that keeps me going is understanding that this is the only body and so science gets to the point where we can like put ourselves into different bodies. It's like, this is the only body that you have. This is the only mind that you have. And you have to take solace. You have to find peace in the fact that the only place in this world where you can be by yourself is your own mind. Think about it. Mm. When you go out into the world, even in your apartment right now, like it, it looks like you live by yourself, but even in your apartment, you can invite people over and you're like, your skin, your your body is constantly in touch with something. You're constantly feeling something. The shirt on your body, the couch that you're sitting on, you're always in direct physical connection with something. But your mind is like no one can enter your mind. You can speak to yourself. You can have all these thoughts, and they're yours. No one can take that away from you. But the thing is, it's yours, and it's so easy to get lost in there. Like if you're in a bad relationship your friends will tell you, yo, you're in a bad relationship. She's not good for you. And you'll be like, nah, like I'm in love with her. She treats me so well because you're in the mud. When you're in that situation, it's hard for you to identify that it's a bad relationship for you. And it's the same thing with your mind. If you're constantly in your mind and, and you don't take a second to like, in, like take inventory of stuff, it's easy to get lost in the mud and be like, yo, my mind is fine. It's not me that's the problem. It's them. They just got to stop doing stuff that's going to get me angry. And it's like, I see no way. Because, again, why does it make, like you said, why does it make him angry and not me? Because maybe he didn't find a way to deal with that. And you did. Um, so I agree wholeheartedly. You got to know yourself. And you got to become your own best friend. And oh, that is important. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have you, to. You like, have I be... Like, I'll, I'll make jokes and stuff, and my brother and sister, they'll be like, yo, that's not funny. I'll be like, listen, it made me laugh, so I'm good. Like, as long as I'm <laughs> laughing, I can be looking like an idiot laughing by myself. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you can make yourself laugh, if you can yeah. tell yourself something without getting upset, if you can be like, yo, Manny, um, you're getting upset, and that doesn't upset you. Like, you know, you like so when someone tells you you're upset, and you're like, I'm not upset, get on my face. You know what I'm saying? If you can you tell honest. yourself, yeah, if you can be honest with yourself without getting upset mm. at that honesty, then that's a good place to be. You're in a good, you're in a good path. Yeah, it reminds me of that that one thing. Um, Larry, the cable guy, he's like, I don't care who you are. That's that shit's funny or something. Exactly. <laughs> like you gotta tell yourself that. Like, hey, I thought it was funny. I said it out loud. I'm not taking it back, but I laughed. Yeah. You didn't laugh. Yeah. Life moves on, but um, 
but yeah, yeah, I like that you're also saying like take inventory of the thoughts in your head because if you let other people's thoughts and you, you know, you could corrupt your mind and then really get into a dark place. But yeah, it's that self-reflection yeah. is, is super important. Yeah. yeah which, we, I was just, go ahead. No, I was going to say like your, you're like the, the, the manager. Like when you go to a, a job and you have a manager or like you have an office manager who's in charge of like, like making sure that everybody in the office has what they need. It's like, you have to be able to say like, make a list and be like, yo, so I don't need this person in my life. Let me just like take them out. Um, I don't need, I don't need this job. It's not making me happy. I gotta leave. It's like people are so averse. If I'm talking too much, let me know. I don't want to like tear you. No, 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 no. But one of the things that, yo, when you, this, this always blows my mind because it's like, we always seem to forget this. It's like, if you look at the course of human history, if you look at where we come from, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna say. I'm not a scientist. I'm not gonna try to convince people that we came from the ocean and shit like that. But oh, if you consider like people and humans have been migrating for years before we created civilizations, we've been moving from place to place, and we were hunters and gatherers. We were nomads. So it's like we were designed by God, by Allah, by the universe, whoever you believe in. They designed us with the intention, with the capability of changing, of moving to different environments and adapting. Why is it that people can live in Russia where it could be cold and they can be happy there? And then why can people live in Trinidad where it's like hot all the time? How is it that we're able to live in so many different climates, so many different cultures, while we can speak so many different languages? Because we are designed for change. And it's interesting how in this age, like even though we're constantly being fed different types of information from different cultures, from different countries, we're so stuck in our ways. And there's a why, why is that? It's like the beautiful thing about life is like, yo, it, the world is here as a playground. It's like, it's designed for you to go out there and experience. Like I said, like you don't want to die 10 miles from where you were born. It's like, if you think your purpose is to leave a legacy, then go ahead. But ultimately it's like, like you said, like, you know, Catholic and Christians, how it's, we're so stuck in our ways. Like, I was baptized Catholic. Um, but it's like, yo, you have to read. You have to speak to people. It's like, I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you, you know, have, we're dealing with a lot of racial tension in America. If you were to take someone who has shown manners of racism if you were to take that person i i guarantee you if you take someone that's like racist in america and you put them in like africa if you put them in kenya or if you take them to china or asia just leave them there for a week and i promise you once they're once they've experienced a world that's completely different than theirs they're gonna go back home and be like yo so wow that's actually pretty cool like i didn't know that oh damn this is what people deal with on the regular like you you'll go back to your kitchen be like yo i got a microwave I'm so I got running water. Yeah, gente, like they don't have any of that stuff. Like they live in entirely different circumstances than you do. And people just don't want to change and accept that. People don't want to go out there and accept that. It's so it's so weird to me. It's so weird. Yo, we're all very different, yo. We are definitely a collective consciousness made up of individual minds, individual personalities. And it's like we're all the same ultimately. We just got to be willing to change and adapt and get to know each other a little better.
Yeah, that, that that's powerful because it, it is true, you know, like just a different perspective alone will, will change your mindset, your your outlook. And I'm sure like you, you lived in Florida, in Miami for a year. I'm sure the, the Latino, like the Latino experience in Miami versus the Latino experience in New York is different. You know, we they both come from diverse backgrounds, I, I, like I from my from my viewpoint but in miami everything's almost latino like you go to mcdonald's and sometimes you have to order in spanish because they're like <laughs> they won't understand chicken like you 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 have to yeah you know put your order in spanish because you're, you're almost in latin america as opposed to other places in the u.s that it's it's totally um you're only going to speak english but but just like in that and traveling like you mentioned like bring somebody to africa and you put them on a you know in the tribe or out in the you know wherever you know they they'll they'll gain new perspectives of how people live and um also i think appreciation of the luxuries that they have at home so they yeah. and the privileges they have that that yeah. are many times overlooked and um yeah but i like that you said it's like a collection of um collective minds and ideas mm -hmm. and thoughts and experiences that really make us up who we are and, and probably those racist people you know you say 10 miles they probably haven't been like five miles away from yeah. where they're born because they, they don't know any better they you know i'm not advocating for them yeah but but definitely it needs to be changed mm -hmm. yeah Most so I, yeah no this is this is a, like I, I love this talk and i feel like we can go forever but i just wanted to know like what's been your journey or your path that got you to writing writing this book and would you describe it as poetry spoken word yeah i don't think it's like a novel but it's nah um so this book is called venus gospels and i i wrote the first five poems during the winter semester of 2019 so after fiu let me let me just let me just give you background and your your, your listeners background like fiu was 10 years ago <laughs> i'm almost 30 and i graduated high school 10 years ago i spent a year in miami my freshman year came back home and then since then my education is an on and off so mm -hmm. last last winter semester i took this uh english and creative writing class um and my professor he had us read i'm so sorry that i forgot her name i want to look it up because she was very influential to me uh there was this woman, there is, there is this woman, she's still alive. She wrote this book and in this, in this book, she wrote, I think four or five poems all titled the birthday party, but each poem was completely different. They just had the same title. So my professor, he was like, as an assignment, think of a word, think of a, a term, think of a title and just write five poems complete, like challenge yourself to see how many poems you can write using the same title. And I was like, all right, cool. So the words Venus Gospel came to mind. And I'll I'll tell you guys why I decided on that name in a second. But I wrote five poems all titled Venus Gospels and I presented it to the class. The whole class read it. And then by the end of it, a couple of my peers and my professor were like, yo, I really want to read an entire book called Venus Gospel, just a bunch of poems. And I was like, why not? So after that semester during the holiday like you know how this winter break before the start of the next semester i wrote 34 poems in total um and then i shopped it around i was like i gave it to people to like read it and they were like yo this is dope 
And then I added more. So now there's 60 poems, all titled Venus Gospels. Um, and the reason I, and, the, and the, the title really means a lot to me because growing up, this goes back to my hearing disability, it all goes back to this. Even though it's not about my hearing disability, it always goes back to it. Why? Because, because of my disability, again, I was very like, in, like inside of myself. I didn't like to communicate with people. Like I was very shy. When my mom would like introduce me to people, I would like hide behind her leg. I didn't like to talk. Um, so I spent a lot of my time playing with like my toys. And then when the PlayStation came out, I spent a lot, a lot of time playing video games. So I was very into like immersive worlds of like fantasy and RPG. So I played a lot of Final Fantasy growing up. That was like my favorite series. And a recurring thing in those games is that there's like this spear, which is like the strongest weapon in the game, or it could be, it's called the Venus Gospel. So I took this idea of like, yo, how is it that Venus stands for like love and self-love and feminine energy and vibrance? And a gospel is pretty much something that you sing, something that you kind of feel in church, like something that gives you reverence, right? So how is it that the strongest weapon in this game has something to do with like love and self-love and like a deep respect for yourself? That's the way that I put it. I'm pretty sure the people who made the game did not think that deep, but <laughs> what's beautiful is that like all these different artistic mediums, like those pictures behind you, like you took those. So you, they have a certain meaning to you, but I can look at them, I can browse to them and I can feel something completely different. And that's important. Um, so these poems are 60 in all, a majority of them are pretty new. I wrote them this year, but there's a couple of them that, you know, for people who have been following my writing for years, um, they can be like, oh, oh, I noticed that one. That was cool. So when I finished the book, I kind of realized that it's, the journey is that like, these are all pieces that I've pretty much been writing and performing for years. And I just never realized that they were all about the same thing until I put them down on this book. And I was like, oh damn, I was writing about the same thing this whole time. Like it's a recurring theme in your life. And it really made me realize like the things that I was holding onto in life. And this book isn't supposed, I don't think it's supposed to save me. I think it's supposed to release me from a lot of the stuff that I was holding on to from growing up. Um, so that's kind of my journey with it. And I'm really looking forward to people to read it in order to, I hope that people find themselves in it. You know, and I guess a lot of it has something to do with my growing up. So there's a lot of like esoteric uh, situations in it. Like I talk about certain people, certain emotions that I felt that no one else has necessarily felt, but I think, I would like people to read it and find a piece of themselves in it. Um, but that's, the, yeah, the journey is like just growing up. <laughs> and it's all poetry. And, uh, I don't just, to answer your question, is like, it's all poetry. Um, mm -hmm. I did write a novel that was before this one. I wrote a novel about like fantasy, about superpowers and stuff like that. Cause I was like, that's like my thing. Like when I write stories, I like, I like my stories to have like a piece of the fantastical mix with like social issues. Um, and then I finished it and then like I shopped it around to agents. Nobody really wanted to represent it. But even though people can see that as a failure, like, oh, he never got his first book off the ground. It's important for me to have written it because 
it taught me about the industry. Like with this novel, like when I finished it, I was meeting with agents, I was meeting with editors, I was meeting with people within the industry. I was going to writing conferences. I was like shopping it around and like a lot of people giving me great feedback on it. And when you fail, it's not always a failure. It's a moment. It's like a lesson. It's like, it's taught me something about how to write, how, what people like, what the market is like. Like I did my research doing that book so that by the time I wrote this book, which is a poetry book, it has nothing to do with like prose or a novel. I know better. Like I know how to write now. Like I can write better. I know what people are going to want. I know how to market it, how to promote it. Um, but yeah. And then at the same time, my journey after this, once I released this book and I kind of promote it and put it out there a little bit, I want to move on to um, working on my second novel, which is, uh, I started writing my notes about, it. I got like a whole spreadsheet full of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, my my journey as a writer and in writing this book, Venus Gospels, has been a, a series of um, asking myself what's next what's next what's next all right you did this what's next it's like never being content with what you've mm. accomplished you know what i mean and like you can accomplish something it's like yes i graduated i got my degree i got my bachelor i got my master's all right cool what's next like yeah. what am i gonna do with this it's like i'm the type of person that like i need to have a project if i don't have a project to work on like i don't want to be a person that just goes to work goes to school goes to work goes to school it's like mm. that's not why we, why we're here you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not put on this earth just to, like, work and make other people money. Like, we're here to, like, experience life for ourselves. And you do that and in the be best broke. way you can. Be, yeah. yeah, be broke. No, but, like, it's it's interesting. Like, I don't want to I don't wanna say that and, like, demean people that find fulfillment in working. Because there mm. are people that love investment banking. They love working with people and, and they love working with finance and stuff. There are people who love working in a corporate setting. And it's like, if you want to work a nine to five the rest of your life and that's your career and you have the goal of being a CEO, then you're more power to you. The thing is, you just got to ask yourself, is this what I want? Like, is this giving yeah. me peace? Is this bringing me happiness? And it goes back to like our original thing, like, like knowing yourself, you know, it, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's prescribed. I'm sure your, your mom, kind of say like go to college this and that you know get a degree whatever you know, there's prescribed life paths for us and you got to make sure that you're not on that prescribed life path and mm-hmm. you're living somebody else's like um story and you're really living your own story of what you want to accomplish and you know i'm not like i i don't want to come off diminishing the robot or like as i called it but the the routine like work home work home work home sleep you know it, it doesn't and, you know, being a writer, being a podcaster, being whatever, you know, it's not a final destination. You know, things change along the way, but you have to find what gives you life, what's passionate, you know, like what, what kind of drives you and keeps you beating every day yeah. to 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 really, you know, have a fulfilled life like you're mentioning, you know, like, yeah, but, but make sure it's your 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 passion, not yes, living you want to do. somebody else. So yeah, it's, it's hard I, as, as like other generational people too, because they they came yeah, to this country yeah. to fight and, and this and that, and you know yeah. get a better life. Yeah, I'm, I'm two sure. yeah two things on that. Um, I do agree. Like life changes, and I I want to encourage like the people listening to your podcast, the people reading my my writing to understand it's like things change. Like where you are at one moment, just because like you lost your job doesn't mean you're not gonna get another one. It's like 
when one door closes, another one opens. And my mom, she prescribed that into me. Like she drilled that lesson into me. After like everything that happened in my life, like if I didn't get into a program or I didn't get into a school or whatever, she'd be like, mijo, you know, when one door opens, another one opens. And that's like, mm-hmm. when one door closes, another one opens. She was constantly telling me that. Um, like a few, like in my early 20s, it's like I, like I acted in theater for a few years. And then when I came back to New York after Miami, I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna do this acting thing. I really wanna act, like that's what, I, that's my, my passion. And then as I started going on auditions and I started like doing these little roles and stuff, like I realized like, like this is not, like this is not for me. It's like this whole like going to set at like nine in the morning and being there until eight, nine at night. It's like working these long hours just to like say one or two lines. It's like, it's not for me, like I don't want this. And then I started moving more towards writing. But I was like, all right, cool. This is like what I've always been doing since I was a young kid and this is what I love doing. But um, there was something else you mentioned generations. And to be honest, that's something that I'm starting to realize with my family. And, you know, this, I, I don't know if it's Latinos or maybe it's something that's more generational that includes the older heads, like whether you're white, Latino, Asian, whatever. But I'm finding that our parents, they had it like, you know, it's, it's a common trope in Latino families that the father has to work and the mom is working too. And she's like a housewife and she's constantly having to provide and they're constantly making sure that the kids are okay. And like, what I realized is like our parents, our grandparents, they never, I doubt that they ever had a moment of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I think because they've, it's always been prescribed to them to work and to go to school and get good grades and like that they never got a chance to sit back and be like, yo, what else? what what does what does Osvaldo want? You know what I'm saying? Like me being you, you know what I'm saying? Like what does Manny want? Yeah, it's no. like, do I really want to work? And it's a privilege. Is it a privilege? I'm still trying to decide if it is a privilege, but it's it's something that our generation is so in tune with our spirit. It's like you go on Instagram, everybody's talking about like I can go on my Instagram and I'll see five people talking about like, okay, today is my body and mind cleanse. I am going to take today to meditate and to work out and do yoga. It's like our grandparents weren't doing that. They weren't <laughs> doing that. They were up at the crack of dawn working mm-hmm. just to come home, sit on their asses and drink a president. I go sad and just yeah. to eat dinner, we'll go to sleep and do the same thing over again. Thanks tomorrow. Um, and I'm still trying to like figure out, why is that like Mm -hmm. why like i would love to sit down with my parents and just ask them these questions like who are you like i know you're my parent i know you raised me but like who are you like what do you like like all i know you is like you look at your parents to be these people like this monolith of like they do everything right and they're perfect and they have all the lessons and all the answers but it's like Mm -hmm. they really don't yo they're human too um and a lot of like, like my book is about forgiving your past. And it's like, for me, what's really important is to forgive your parents too and forgive your family because mm-hmm. they did their best in raising up. And going back to what you said at the beginning, when we started talking, you said that, you know, people are stuck in their past. And I feel like people who are stuck in their past are usually depressed. 
that's where the source of your depression comes when you think too much about something that happened before and then people who think too much into the future they're usually anxious because they're worried about like all right what's coming next where's my next paycheck coming from where am i going to eat like what's happening but la gente que that they're more the people who are more rooted in the present and the now are the people who generally have more happiness and more peace um so yeah i'm yeah. i'm trying to figure out a way to like teach people like forgive your past forgive your parents but also get to know them because they did their best and just understand yeah. that they didn't have moments of self reflection yeah no i totally agree like um on two things well, one I one of my podcasts I interviewed my mom and yeah. I I asked her like you know you never really ask them like who they are like like if you're a reporter you're Barbara Walters you know you're somebody or uh what what's his name um the Jorge Ramos you know like yeah. like in an interview setting just like I'm not I'm not asking these questions as your son or daughter I'm asking them like I want to know your life and know your journeys mm. and I had that and I think it was like two and a half hours where we just talked and I heard stories and things. And, you know, as an adult, you, you can talk more freely with your parents. You know, they're mm -hmm. not like, like they know you're a freestanding adult. You're, you're, you're mm -hmm. a model person. You know, you're not, um, they don't have to influence you in a certain way because you've, you've already formed your own mind. Yeah. So it was, it was a blessing, but it was also nice. Like I, I it kind of made me also wish I did that with my grandparents before mm -hmm. their, their minds started going. Cause I know my grandpa had like a crazy life. Like, um, he, he was born in Cuba and he came to New York like with 50 bucks and didn't speak a lick of English. He got in the cab and he's like, take me to Manhattan. And they're like, where the hell? <laughs> 200 blocks of plus bro. Where you yeah, going? So they, they thought he was Italian. So they took him to little Italy, but, um, but he, he did it, you know, but like little things like, um, I remember I did like going to my second point is um, I did the Camino de Santiago and I talk a lot about it in my other podcast and it's like something important to me. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's um, it's a pilgrimage through the north of Spain uh, through an mm. old Roman road. And um, Paul Coelho wrote a book about it called The Pilgrimage. It, it was like very meaningful for me, but every day you plan out the next day and you so you, you're forced to live in the present. You walk in the past. You're not thinking about mm. that much but how you feel that morning is going to determine how much you're going to walk what you're going to eat what you're going to carry you know you don't think in the future you just start walking and that that's what you have your possessions are on your back mm -hmm. and that's you just walk every day you make progress and, and you it really forces you to be in the present and i yeah. you know it, when you were talking about that it made me think about that and um kind of like I guess recalibrate my focus. You know, you just live in the day, live in the present. Yeah. And it really, really keeps you happy and mindful. No, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing I try to like remind myself every morning, um, like part of my self care routine. Uh, so, what I do is like I try to do, and I acknowledge that I'm not, I don't always do it. Um, but like I try to wake up early enough to like drink tea. And I do something called tea meditation where I just sit there and just breathe while I'm drinking tea mm -hmm. and to just really give thanks. Like every single time I take a breath in, I give thanks to like my legs, my arms, like my lungs. You know what I mean? Because when you think about it, you don't really like, let's say your stomach, for example, you don't really acknowledge or 
you're not really grateful for your stomach until you get a stomach ache and you're like, damn, I remember two hours ago cuando, like when I didn't have this pain, when I wasn't sitting on this toilet and now I have diarrhea. Like you don't, you're not grateful for your stomach until that moment happens. So it's like, how do you teach yourself to be grateful for your legs even when they're like working and they're not working? Like mm. how do you stay grateful to your body when it's working? It's like, I, I hate it. Like, they'd be like, yo, God, please help me. Like, they only look for God when something happens in their life. But it's the same thing. It's like, how do you be grateful for the life you're living when something bad is not happening? Right? So in the morning, I try to breathe in. Like, when I'm drinking tea, I try to do that. I try to give thanks to, like, my arms, my legs, my lungs, like, all different parts of my body. Um, and then, like, from my bed, I can, like, look out of the window and like you see like a bunch of trees and stuff and every single morning i see this group of squirrels the same two squirrels they'll like jump and they'll play and they'll like go from branch to branch and they'll chase each other and stuff like that and like not to be cheesy but like it does make me smile you know i look at that i'm like it makes me smile you know why because like when you go out into nature like the bugs the plants like the animals they don't have any concept of time they don't know that it's Sunday. They don't know that it's Wednesday or any other day for that matter. All they know is that the sun is up. This means that I'm awake and I have to go eat. I have to go do something to survive. And then at nighttime, it's dark and I go to sleep. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a routine, they're still, they're still here. They're still present. They're in today. You know, They're not thinking about like, yo, on Saturday, I'm going to go to this tree over there. And I'm going to go feel these nuts from this person, from this other squirrel. Like, you're not thinking about that. Um, so I know, like, one of the things you want to talk about was, like, that self-care routine. It's, like, that's kind of what I try to do every morning. Just to, like, first thing is I don't touch my phone until mm. at least an hour. There are days, like, right now I work from home. But there are days when I have to go into the office, like, two or three times out of the week. Um but regularly, when be like pre-COVID, like every day, I would wake up, I would do those things, I would stretch, I meditate, and I won't even. I, I wake up at six. I don't even touch my phone until nine, until I'm down, like I'm at my desk and I'm ready to work. That's when I like check my emails or like I'll check Instagram or something like that. Um, but part of this, my self-care routine is like you have is like being selfish. It's like setting your intentions and thinking, what does Manny want today? Who is Manny today? Like, what does he need? And I find that on those days where I admit I don't do that self-care routine, I find that I'm a lot more uptight. I'm a lot more tense. Like, I carry a lot of my burden and my, my stress on my shoulders. Like, I'm, like, I recognize that I don't breathe as well. And I'm just like, man, that's because I didn't meditate today. And then the next day I'll do it. And then I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm more chill. I'm more easygoing. Like, whatever um but i think for my for my readers and your listeners i think it's important for them to know that at the beginning of each day is like you have to set those intentions you have to how you have to think of yourself first before you reach for your phone and you go on instagram and you try to see what other people are doing and FOMO is real. Like you go through your Instagram and you like, you see the stories and like, damn, my friend was at this cafe. Damn, I really wanted to go. And like, I missed out. And we live with that constant fear of like, damn, if I say no to like their invitation, I'm going to miss out on something real. But it's like, you're not missing out on anything when you spend time with yourself. 
when mm. you chill out, like sitting on your couch and just having a day to yourself, like it's perfectly okay to just sit there with a bowl of ice cream and just watch TV and just be in your own peace in your own head because that's that's you time. Like you're getting to know yourself. And I want to say this next part <clears throat> mindfully, you know, acknowledging the situation that the world is in this pandemic you know many people thousands of people have died around the world and i want to acknowledge the people who have <clears throat> but what i do acknowledge at the same time is that the world is finally resting the world mm -hmm. has finally slowed down and when you think about it when you're sick when you have a fever the doctor or your mom or whoever tells you lay down if you're sick and you have a fever, you're not going to go to the gym and try to bench press 50 pounds or more. You're going to chill out. You have to rest. And I think that this world has not rested, has not stopped in years. It's been a while since we've slowed down. And I really, I really encourage people like during this pandemic, if you're home, if you're stuck at home, if your job is closed and you have nothing else to do, it's like take this moment to rest and to really be there for yourself. And to really take this time to reset and figure out what it is that you want out of life. No, definitely. Yeah, rest rest is important. You know, it's um rest of you must, but don't you quit, but like keep it. You gotta you gotta take care of your body and recharge. Basically, you know, your phone, electronics, everything has batteries and needs to be recharged. And people forget that themselves, you know, need to, <laughs> to be recharged yeah. and they can't just be pumped up with coffee or whatever yeah. supplements and they, they need to, um, to really focus, like rest, basically, like you said, mm -hmm. simply. So I have a few final questions just to close out since, um, yeah. uh, I'm assuming you like rap, but I wrote, like, I made it open. What would you, what musician, rapper, writer, singer, do you find their lyrics or ide ideology is most similar to your writing? Wow. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I can say that hip hop influenced me more than I realized because that was my culture. Like a lot of my friends, they, they're into basketball. They're into that urban culture, like that street fashion, that like urban stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, in high school, I used to spend a lot of my time after school going to Soho and just living this like New York City, like fashionable life. <laughs> but in terms of rap and hip, wow. Well, it could be any musician or like yeah. your favorite one. I would say Jay-Z's first album, Reasonable Doubt, was okay. a large influence on me. Because, like, you know, you've heard of Jay-Z's, like, more recent stuff, but in that first album, came out in the 90s, he was more poetic. Like, mm -hmm. he was more about the wordplay. He was more about the alliteration and using these poetic techniques to spit. And to this day, I always say Jay-Z's first album is, like, the best one because of that. Um, more modern rappers, and Jay-Z's modern, he's still out, but I would say rappers more along the lines of Kendrick, of Joey Badass, of um, who are some others? Like these rappers that are more like lyrical. J. Cole, people mm -hmm. who use like poetic technique, because that's pretty much what rap is. Like R&B is rhythm and blues, but hip hop, no, rap is rhythm and poetry. 
I don't know if that's true, but back in the day, they always used to say rap stands for rhythm and poetry. And it's like, it's true. Like the lyrics, if you read them by themselves, they're poems. They're essentially poems. I've never heard that. that ry- rhythm and poetry. That makes yeah. Sense. You're pretty much spitting a spoken word piece over a beat. And you're just making mm-hmm. it sound hard. Like it's hot as hell. Um, but though, yeah, those were, would be like the top people that I would think influence my writing. To the point where there are poems that give you, when you, when or if you read my book, you'll, I try to be more of a writer, writer. Like I try to be more of a poet. I try to differentiate myself between the poet, like Manny, the poet as a writer and Manny, the poet as a spoken word artist. Because when I'm doing spoken word, I do have those elements of hip hop uh, where I try to keep a rhythm, where I try to use these like crazy word plays. But then like in my book or like in my writing, I try to be more on the intentional side. Like I try to be more on the academia side of like poetry. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to play around with the two. Probably a nice dynamic. I'm I'm excited to read the book. Yes. And then uh, my second question is, you, you said you kind of shopped it out to your friends and family to to like read some of the poems. What was one comment, feedback, response that you got that just made you feel warm? You're like, wow, I didn't expect that, yeah. or like, really caught you off guard in a good way, of course. Yeah. So one of my test readers was actually the same professor who encouraged me to write it. So after the semester was over. Like we met around like before the pandemic, so like February. Um, and the first thing he said to me was that I, I wrote it down somewhere. But he said, I have I have the nineteen twenties in my mind, but twenty twenty in my mouth. Meaning that and he elaborated and he meant to say that like I write in a way that's very like old school. Like in mm-hmm. in, in it reminded him and it, it, it reminded somebody else that read my stuff of um, Emily Dickinson. He was like, you remind me of Emily Dickinson, but the way that you write your language is very New York 2020. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh, like it, it, it validates you. You know what I mean? It make, like it shows you that you're doing something right. And I always try to be respectful to my craft. I always try to like every time, every single time I write something, I always try to look over it and obsess over it a bunch of times to make sure that as an artist like people have to trust you like if you're a Mm -hmm. photographer if you're a painter your audience has to trust you if i'm a writer and i write something and it has like a bunch of typos if it has grammatical mistakes or if i'm not being intentional with the words that i use if i use the wrong word here when i should have used something else it's like people pick up on that and Mm. they start to see it's like all right i can't really respect this person like this person doesn't respect their craft enough for me to respect them. Um, so when he told me that, I was just like, "That's it. Yeah, I think I think I've made it. I think this is it." <laughs> Mic drop, and uh, I'm here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And then um, the last thing that I usually ask the my my guest is, um, "What's your like mantra?" Is how I call it. Like what do you repeat to yourself every day? We might've touched on it. We probably did, but like every day you're like, you know, this is, this is, this is what I, this is the beat of my drum. This is the the saying, this is my affirmation that kind of keeps me going. Mm. Lately, I think it's two things, but the most straightforward answer would be that you cannot control 
about 95% of what happens to you. You can't. And we like to think that we're the center of our own universe, which we are, we're the center of our own lives, but the world is much too large and much too small for you to think that you're the center of it all. And it's like, there are things that are gonna happen to you in life that you simply just cannot control. It's like, it has nothing to do with you. And what I can control is how I react to situations. Um, I can control how I feel. I can control what I think. I can control my breathing. And that, that has to be, like I mentioned earlier, like I spent, it wasn't until my mid twenties where I managed to let go of all that anger and sadness and bitterness that I held. And it was largely because I started to realize it's like, yo, a lot of these things I can't, it has nothing to do with me. It's like it, when, when you grow up in New York, it's like one of the first lessons as a New Yorker that you learn is to mind your business, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's just this New York attitude to just focus on yourself. If something's happening on the train, on the platform, like three feet away from you, it has nothing to do with you, just let it go. And I think people can adopt that same mantra. It's like, if you see something, say something. If something's going on and it's detrimental to other people, like someone has a gun, say something. But if there are things happening in your environment that has nothing to do with you, it's like simple as that, mind your business. <laughs> it's just simple as that and just focus on you. Um, and then the not so obvious answer, like something that's more deep. Um, my, like my second mantra and something that I've been trying to help people understand is be aware, make use of your senses like mm -hmm. all five of your senses and there are more senses there's like more research coming out and more ideas of that people have more than five senses um but for the purpose of this explanation like we were given our five senses whether you're hearing impaired or partially blind like you were given your five senses to process the world you know what i mean if you take away someone's sense of smell it might affect the way that they taste food. Like on the flip side of that, it's like someone who's Mexican might have more of a palate for spicier things. Whereas me as a Dominican, I might have more of a palate for savory things, right? Mm -hmm. The point is you were given your senses, you were given your body, you were given your features, your mind, your mentality, all that stuff for a purpose. And going right into it, my mantra, my second mantra is convincing myself, telling myself that I am worthy, that I have a purpose, and that in the bigger picture that is the universe, we are only one tiny pixel in that big picture. But just like those uh, photos behind you, if I were to take the one of that, of the of the buildings with the sun if i were to take the sun out of that what would happen to that picture it would just be dull right it wouldn't mean anything but that sun there that one pixel of the sun right in the middle just gives it more vibrance and even if you feel like you know it's it's september it's suicide prevention month and i i want to say this out to people who feel depressed because i was at that part i was there too just remember that you 
have a place as a pixel in a larger picture of life. And that without you, if you were to take yourself out of that picture, people are going to notice. They're going to be like, yo, this is a nice picture, but what's that white spot doing there? It seems blank. Why is that there? And they're going to miss you. So mm. when you're walking through life, just remember that you have a place and that everything that you do in life, every choice that you make contributes to this world that we're living in together. Like your choices are about you. They should make you happy, but just remember that your choices also affect everybody else because that's the point. We're here together. We're here mm. to love each other. We're here to be be happy and to share and experience life together no that is powerful and i we are all worthy and we are all have a purpose you know it may not we might not have fulfilled that purpose today but 10 years down the line you know it might come but like just being there and being alive being a smile being a heartbeat it it serves a purpose that you may not even be aware of so no it's definitely yeah definitely important for you have to be present awesome and so like, thank you so much, Manny, for, for coming on and just being vulnerable and as well as like just sharing your thought process. I, I, I feel like this is a, one of like a really good podcast, like an episode, like we learned a lot. I feel like we vibed and like we, we touched on a lot of important things yeah. and um, your book does come out the, the Venus gospels. It comes out October 1st. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a little raffle. I'll, I'll put, put it on Instagram, you know, raffle off a few books to to my listeners so you guys can really experience and and share um manny's journey as well as his like i, I don't want to call it autobiographical biographical but it was it, like his experiences that, mm-hmm. that really are are portrayed and expressed through his words yeah. in his poem so so definitely keep an eye out for that and thanks manny and anything i or, or platform latino can do to help you know let us know and we're here for you for sure and um likewise definitely. likewise yeah yo let's uh let's let's be here together let's be present today together definitely. love each other thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast If you did, hit subscribe and of course follow us on IG, Facebook, and all their social media platforms at Platform Latino. That's P-L-A-T-F-O-R-M-L-A-T-I-N-O. Thanks again and have a wonderful and inspired day.